Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We're in our second hour of a two-hour special on international SEO. And uh, in the last segment, we spoke with David Harry, Terry Van Horn, Mikhail Demevs-Fenson, Tony Hutchcraft, and, uh, oh goodness gracious, I hate when I do this, Chris from G-Shift. Um, but I'm dropping his last name, Dave, such a dolt. <laughs> it's uh, Abrams. Labs. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined as always by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And on the line right now, we have, well, again, we had international SEOs talking about um, marketing primarily to America. Well, now we have American SEOs um, talking about working with the rest of the world. We have on the line Aaron Adams from Relevance.com and from Copy Press, we have Dave Schneider. We are hoping to get Portney from Portland Interactive. Um, he's, he's coming along. He's uh, he's been in meetings all day, but we're hoping uh, we're hoping he'll be able to join us a little bit later in the conversation. But in the meantime, Aaron and Dave, welcome to Webcology. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. So, as I said, our our first uh, our first out was um, was talking about the. Uh, Coming from smaller markets, Canada being about a tenth the size of America, and you know uh, where 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 Mikkel, Denmark, uh, being it's, it's, that's a five and a half million person country, so we're much smaller markets. And how do you cope being a smaller market? Well, 
you guys are anything but a smaller market. You are the great whale, in fact. Uh, <laughs> as America, you deal with, I mean, you deal with American clients, of course, but you also deal with the rest of the world. So we're going to go through a, a, a series of questions that we asked um, the, the, the international uh Oh, the international contingent a few moments ago. Um, starting with Aaron. Aaron, where are most of your clients from? Are they domestic or foreign? Yeah, most, uh, in fact, probably all of our clients are domestic-based, but we have done campaigns in other countries before, and it was pretty interesting to see the results there. Um, it was it was mostly English-speaking countries, but we did have some success targeting some French words uh, for uh, French-Canadian folks up there. Okay. Uh, it was pretty interesting, but that's that's pretty much the uh, the extent of what we what we've delivered so far, and it was pretty successful. You know, Dave, with Copy Press, um, I mean, your your client base is international by nature. Where, but I'd be assumptive to assume that they all came from outside of the states. Where where is your largest client base? Yeah, I mean, our biggest client is definitely the United States. <clears throat> we have uh, we have to work with several people in the UK right now, and we're actually expanding into Spain with an office there. Hopefully, uh, within the next three or four months. Right on. Well, looking at the um, looking at the difference between working strictly with American with American uh, advertising to American uh, web users. Is, do you see a big difference between, again, working in the States and working internationally? Um, on my side, absolutely. I mean, we actually have uh, several clients. So just because our, our clientele is U.S.-based, a lot of what we're finding now is people looking to expand outside the U.S. market, right? especially big companies that already have their market share in the United States stabilized. Um, they're looking to enter what you're calling the smaller markets, right? I mean, a lot of them are smaller markets. You look at Germany, for example, their spending power as a country has greatly increased in the last uh, few years, and they're becoming much more savvy in terms of uh, Internet consumers. So Germany is a big uh, point for a lot of people, the U.K., um, and then Brazil, right? Brazil is really expanding on people's lists. So we're getting a lot of uh, requests for that. And, you know, as the U.S.-based uh, SEO game has shifted to being more of a holistic-type strategy, that has happened with international search as well, marketing in general, and that with it brings an entire list of issues, right? Because what works in the U.S. doesn't work in every country. You know, blogging, for example, is very different from country to country. Social media is very, very different from country to country. What content is perceived as good is different. And so it's really like you have to reshape your strategy and your production capabilities every market you go to, um, even within Spanish-speaking countries. I mean, what works in Spain may not work in Mexico. I'm going to jump in. We've been uh, just let our listeners know we've now been joined. Uh, David Portney has uh, has joined us. Thanks for for joining us, Dave. That's uh, from uh, Portney.com. Um, and, and and the question we were we were answering there, and, and so I'll uh, I'll ask you here um, was and Jim had asked it. The where do you find the the bulk of your of your client base? I'm assuming coming from the U.S. They're they're predominantly from the U.S. But what sort of countries are you um, having to deal with? That's true. We do uh, get most of our inquiries, and most of our clients are U.S.-based, and uh, some of them also do have uh, international uh, branches, and so they're also looking to figure out how they can maximize their international presence as well. 
of course, they all, always want to get the biggest bang for their buck. They don't necessarily want to spend as much time as money as they should, but they always want the absolute best results they can get. Now, I, I'm going to um, go with a with a question that I think, um, well, it, it caused a, a bit of a kerfuffle earlier, and, and you reminded me of it, David, when uh, <laughs> when when, uh, when you were noting that, talking about branch offices, and, you know, that's going to have specific advantages over companies that say don't have branch offices, but are trying to expand, you know, they're online, trying to expand um, outward. And I'd asked the question in the last segment, if you had to pick one thing to do, um, and and that that sort of reminded me of it. And if you could pick one thing to do to to sort of expand your reach into into a different, you know, not on day one, you know, what's the first thing you're going to do? What would you guys recommend? And, and I'll just go through the list as you know, so as it's as showing up here. Um, so David, I'll, I'll start with you, uh, and then uh, then we'll move on to Dave uh, Snyder after that one, and, uh, and to Aaron. Um, so David. Well, in order to, to look at that, to answer that question, I'd probably have to be, well, I definitely would have to be getting very deep in with the client as far as what their goals are going to be. If they're, uh, if they have, if they have branch offices or if they only have one head, so if they only have one headquarters, let's say in the U.S., but they want to reach out to other markets and they're not willing to, let's say, uh, they're not ever going to, I should say, open up other branches or, or other physical locations. It's going to be a bit of a different strategy than if they uh, either already have other physical offices in other countries or if they're planning to. Because in, in my mind, the way I kind of look at it overall is how can we send the best signals based on just to Google, based on what the client's goals are as well as what they're willing to do, technically speaking. That's very good. Um, Dave Snyder? Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, the biggest thing is going to be a simple thing is having somebody on the ground in whatever country we're working in who understands the culture. Um, it's why we're building an office in uh, Madrid, actually, is because so many transplants from around Europe end up in Spain at some point, so we can actually have German workers or whatever that understand the cultural nuances um, because that main difference when you're doing things like content, outreach, you whatever it is, um, it's going to be critical in the campaign. It's not as easy, like I said, it's just going and hiring off of Odesk or, you know, trying to find somebody who, oh, you speak Spanish, then you can write all of our Spanish content across South America. Oh, so you, you take this crazy notion that it's also about marketing as well. That's, uh, I don't yeah. know, that's revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron, if you had to pick one thing to sort of do out of the gate, what, uh, what would you recommend to your client? Yeah, I mean, having somebody on the ground in the area would be huge, but probably not a possibility for most firms out there. Uh, but definitely having someone that speaks the language so that they can have the ability to do the research necessary to understand that market and pick the tools that are going to provide the most success for that area. Uh, it's something that we were lucky enough to have someone that spoke French at our company whenever um, we were doing that campaign in uh, French Canada, in French Canada, in the, the Canadian words. So uh, it was just little nuances that you're going to pick up. You know, whenever we, whenever you Google the, uh, you know, what's the French word for shipping, which is one of the uh, keywords we're targeting, that word that came up in the dictionary form was was not close to the word that they were using uh, when searching and uh, talking to each other. So having that person that speaks the language was able to dig in, and uh, well, they understood that first off uh, on that keyword issue, but they can go in and, and uh, understand to a much larger degree specific to that area uh, how they're discussing and, again, picking the, the right tools um, 
like I think Dave mentioned before, you know, blogging doesn't work in some areas. Uh, maybe uh, different social media channels uh, work in others. You know, for example, Orchid, that Google uh, network that I, I think might be shut down now. I'm not sure. I haven't followed up on it much, but it had a huge following in Brazil. And if you were going to be anywhere, you had to be on Orchid. So um, you just have to be on top of that, and speaking the language is crucial. Now, uh, we're, we're speaking of language here. So one that I'm sure all of us and, and probably many of our listeners have dealt with um, is the very, very subtle differences, and I think we kind of touch on it here, um, the very subtle differences between even the United States and Canada or the United States and, and the U.K. Um, in dealing with you know, simple things like the word color, right, being being spelled differently. And, and this, of course, creates almost a, a larger SEO problem than, say, a completely different language, um, which has its own challenges, but where how do you, you can't really create whole new content just to change a letter in, in a word. So how do you bridge that gap between, you know, I want to rank for color O-U-R, um, but at the same time, I can't rewrite all my content, and this is just going to look horrible. How do, you, how do you guys address that, those sorts of problems? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in there. Uh, I mean, it, it's all about being as, as relevant as possible, and sometimes you can change some some different in there and, and scale up converting it. But I mean, really recreating the content. I mean, you can't beat that, and that's that's something that I would definitely recommend. Is is just uh, really embrace that that area of focus. I mean, we've worked with several companies uh, in the UK, especially that had to redo rewrites for. Um, from the product description basis uh, for proper English, as they call it. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know what I mean? I, I think it definitely has a huge impact on your conversion rate if you're not able to, you know, if you're talking American English versus, you know, proper UK English um, on a UK site, right? So, I mean, those small details will hit your bottom line. Um, and then on the, the reverse side of it is it's not something as easy as, oh, we'll just teach the American writers um, the, the nuances in that, right? We actually have uh, our head of production here in the U.S. is from the U.K., um, and it's just like, you know, the drastic difference in very small things, right? We had to um, write descriptions for a company that specialized in bathroom supplies, and, like, everything for their bathroom was, was completely different than what we call it in the U.S., so that was a case, again, where we had to get U.K. writers involved in the project, even though it's, you know, supposed to be the same language. <laughs> well, I guess then you would find, um, let's, let's, I'm going to go off, off SEO topic uh, specifically here, but we're, we're kind of on the conversion standpoint, so I'll, I'll head down that one. When you're talking about rewriting the content, um, would there be a call, and this goes back to our previous argument on the on the previous segment here, um, to actually create a, an entirely new website, you know, so that you can color it differently and, and, and sort of capture a, a feel more for the culture you're heading into? And if so, do you create that on a whole new domain, country-coded, for example, um, or would you create it as a, as a sort of, you know, a folder on your, on your existing domain, you know, uh, you know yourdomain.com slash UK in, in this example? Um, any of you can jump in. I don't want to it on anybody but well you know what i will uh dave do you have an answer for that one yeah i mean i think it's going to depend on what you're doing but i mean me personally i would do a subdomain uh off of it and then use webmaster tools to identify where the location is right because yeah, i remember like when i first got an seo i was like oh yeah be hosted in the company i think cloud hosting has pretty much gotten rid of that concept right um and webmaster tools makes it pretty easy to tell them what you're trying to do 
But from my perspective, as far as keeping things clean and keeping things separated, I like to put the geo uh, locations on separate domains. But I also think it depends on, you know, who your client is, how large their site is. Like, you know, if, if you have a huge site structure, duplicating that over could be a, a, a difficulty. So, I mean, it's going to be on a case-by-case -case basis. But if I was starting from scratch with a small website, I mean, I personally would set up subdomains for each different uh, area. Well, how yeah, about yeah I'd, I'd agree. You know, webmaster tools, so you can set your geotargeting preferences there. But if you, you know, if you are going to go the whole uh, the whole route and and just create a new website, you know, you might as well uh, get a server in those countries. Uh, you know, set up local servers where you're going to be, and uh, it has a very small factor, but you know, it's uh, it's definitely relevant to to helping you uh, do well in those in those different countries. Uh, David. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it really is about sending as many signals as you can as possible. What I find with enterprise clients is that it, is that it really comes down to what they're willing to do, what they're willing to spend money on. Sometimes they just don't have really the budget. They just have too many time and money constraints to be able to, let's say, do everything exactly the right way. We, we always advise our clients to, to follow best practices, send all the right signals they can. Uh, I would say that if somebody has a business physically located in Germany as well as other countries, I would say have a presence there and have, I would, I would say, yeah, host it there, even though, yeah, it's, hosting's probably not as important anymore. But if you can line up all the signals and just get as many things going for you as you can, uh, and as, and as early, was mentioned earlier by some of the other panelists here, I mean, you really need someone on the ground who understands the language. Because, Dave, you mentioned earlier about, well, you know, how would you go about ranking if you spell the word color differently? Ranking is one thing. I mean, doing things right for Google is always a good thing. But, of course, once someone actually sees the page, if they're a native, they're going to know in a heartbeat whether this is really in their language or not, whether it uses the, the colloquialisms that they use locally. There may even be certain... Uh, certain timely things that are going on could be spoken about on a blog, for example. So as many signals as, as can be sent as possible is going to help to, to line up. I mean, if you think about it like uh, a light bulb itself just kind of sends light waves in all directions, whereas a laser, all the light waves are focused in one direction. So getting all your signals lined up, the language right, the, uh, getting all your uh, HTML implementation right, being in the country, it being not just some translation of your English pages, uh, so forth and so on. Okay, um, gentlemen, we just as I as I said earlier, we had an international group of SEOs on uh, in our first hour, and we got the sense that Google acts differently in different countries. We that's, so we're gonna have to. Um, Get one answer, take a break, then uh, get the get the other gentleman to answer. But um, starting with Aaron, Aaron, does Google act differently in America than it does, say, in Quebec or in Europe or in uh, in Asia? It's it's probably acting differently due to different user statistics and the way that they search Google and and behavior types specific to that country. Uh, they they optimize everything they do, so you would have to think that they optimize for for each country and experience. Uh, but in the end, you know, it's all about being relevant, delivering what these users want. And if you do the research necessarily, you're going to see those differences in the type of content and the way they interact, um, again, if you're doing that research, right? So you're going to set yourself up for success, and you're going to see those differences 
uh, whenever you come up with that different strategy. So, yeah, I'm sure it's a little bit different, but, I mean, in the end, it's kind of the, the same goal, just be relevant and deliver value. Yeah, we have a we have a couple more minutes before we before we have to hit that break. So, um, Dave, I'm to get you in here uh, on the same question. Do you find Google's behavior different in your home market in America than you do when working uh, with with international sites? I, I know it's easier to spam in other countries. So, um, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and so in general, I mean, I've seen I've seen results act differently, definitely in um, in the UK, and I think. It's kind of like a wave, right? Uh, changes seem to come from the west coast of the U.S. and then work their way east. Um, so, you know, once we get it over here, the U.K. is looking, and once the U.K. gets it, the rest of Europe is looking at what's happening. Um, so, like, even when Panda and Penguin rollouts were happening, you know, they happened sectioned off like that. So, I mean, it definitely has to be a situation where they're also testing more in this market since they understand the search behavior more. Also, remember, this is where they're making you know, most of their money from, uh, search advertising, and where they still have anything but it. Like, I mean, they have what kind of control on these other markets. You know, the UK is 90-plus percent, Europe's 90-plus percent. Um, there's not as much they have to do over there to keep those, uh, those markets happy with their products. Okay, we're stuck on the tyranny of time. It is 20 minutes after the hour. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davids from Beanstalk SEO. We're joined, we're joined today by David Portney from Portent.com, Aaron Anders from Relevance.com, Dave Schneider from CopyPress.com. We have a number of questions on both American and international SEO to ask these gentlemen, but we have to take a commercial break first. So friends, listen to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at page1power.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. 
Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Dees. Welcome back to Webcology. Always media and Dave Davis from Beanstalk SEO. Aussie Webmaster. And, and from Relevance.com and Dave Schneiders from CopyPress.com. Um, Frank Webmaster, before we jump to you, we have a question hanging for Aaron Anders. Aaron, have you found Google acting differently? For, I'm sorry, for David Portney uh, from Portney Interactive. Dave, have you found Google acting differently from nation to nation, jurisdiction to jurisdiction? You know, I can't say that I've analyzed log files to be able to see different sites where Googlebot is behaving differently. Um, and I think that probably the other guys might have a little bit more experience and be able to answer this question better. So I think I'm going to have to defer to them on this one. Okay, well... You know, it's 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 funny. The, the one one person who has made a career of international SEO is uh, Aussie Webmaster, aka uh, Frank Watson. Unfortunately, we're having technical difficulties with him, so we're gonna have to try to bring him on after the next break. Uh, that which means we're jumping subjects again. <laughs> the world. Ain't it? Um, that was actually my big question: Does Google act differently from place to place to place to place? Oh, well. Um, how about platforms? Um, WordPress or Joomla or other content management systems are the dominant platforms uh, for, for many new web designs in, uh, in, the, in the American market, most certainly, also the Canadian market. What do you guys find uh, serving international clients? Are they as um, content management uh, system savvy? As we are over here, or are we still getting Dreamweaver sites and such? You know, you know I would say it, it's different for every market. You know, like the example I brought up before with Brazilians uh, taking Orchid over Facebook for a long time. I think they're starting to migrate now. But uh, you just have to look and see what what they're using. I mean, I know that uh, they are they are using different content management systems out there. And, a couple have been mentioned to me that I'd, I'd never heard of before, but they, they still were American companies uh, that they were using uh, over there. So I know that people are on top of it. I don't think that they're, they're hand-coding them or, or using Dreamweaver, but uh, it's probably best just to look and see what people are familiar with because that's a platform that uh, you're going to get uh, the most stickiness when, when trying to attract visitors in those countries. Uh, Dave Schneider, this may be a loaded question for you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, from a uh, from a perspective of platforms, I mean, as long as everything is optimized correctly, I can't really see that uh, I'm seeing one platform rule them all right now across the board, um, even in the U.S., right? I mean, we have a lot of places using WordPress and going that route for easy CMS usage, but then you talk about e-commerce shops, Magento rules the day, um, larger sites with more... Um, need for a more expensive architecture a lot use Joomla and I think as long as you have everything optimized from that side it's not going to really matter and it's not going to have an effect 
on your search as long as, you know, again, everything is, is optimized correctly. Um, David Portney from uh, Porton Interactive or from Porton.com. Similarly, most of the CMSs that I'm seeing out there right now are uh, the clients are using are Magento and WordPress. Believe it or not, there are a couple of clients that actually are hand coding their sites, but guess what? They want to move over to a CMS too. And uh, yeah, most that's mostly it. Okay. Um, SEOs, search marketers, uh, pay-per-click analysts, um, social media engagement experts. We all live and die on stats. We all live and die on analytics, knowing, you know, what's happening with the, with uh, with uh, any individual web document that we're responsible for. Now, you know, hits are where it's at over here in North America. How many hits we got, or site, or unique visitors, or whatever. Um, I'm curious. Tracking analytics, thanks. Is difference. Uh, than it is working in uh, in America. Just uh, starting with Aaron again. Sorry, I, you're, I had a little bit of technical difficulties. You were kind of cutting out in, in part of that oh, question. Uh, <laughs> How are we doing now, guys? It sounds like it's an awesome on the line with us. That's what it sounds like. I'm here. You are. <laughs> Frank, we have an open question out there, so if you can jump in after... Uh, after we get some opinions from uh, from from the other gentleman on the line, um, we'll start with. Uh, I'll rephrase the question again. Um, Aaron Adders from Relevance.com. Are analytic signal points, you know, the stuff that that webmasters have to track to uh, to inform themselves and to inform their clients, are is there any difference when working with an international client than there is working with an American client? Are there different data points that they they would want tracked? Uh, no, well, at least in my in my experience working for our clients, uh, they all wanted the same thing, which was visitors and conversions, and so that's something that, regardless of what language country you're in, that's that's kind of the end goal, um, at least for for most SEOs, and and so I think that it's it's definitely important that that you're tracking those for sure, no matter what country you're in, and I I, I can't imagine a more important important metric than that. Okay, well, I'll throw the same question to uh, Dave Schneider from Copy Press and to uh, David Portney from Portney.com. Dave Schneider, any of your international clients, are there metrics that you would report to them that you might not report to an American client? No, I mean, I think at the end of the day, cash is the only metric that they really care about, right? So um, <laughs> as long as they're making the money, they don't really care. Um, but I think the rest of the world, you know, I mean, the better question is do – you know, are they having the same issues that we are over here where, you know, copy press, when I'm marketing us, I can't even see what terms are converting anymore. Um, because 80% of it is, uh, knocked out now, right? Um, you seeing 80% numbers, uh, non-referrals? Yeah, I mean, cause we, I mean, think about who our, uh, our market is, is other marketers, right? So, um, everybody's logged into Google when they come to us. So, yeah, I mean, we're having, we're, I mean, that's the bigger question is like how is the world as a whole going to continue to relay metrics and show where their value is, um, especially SEOs, um, when you can't even report where you're having significant growth because then you have to try to backtrack it out to rankings and we all know how that's gone. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think from our client standpoint, what they're looking at is uh, traffic and then conversions from traffic and 
um, where that ROI is, right? And have they made any money? Okay, well, at, at the risk of being redundant, I want to throw the same question to uh, Dave Courtney and also to uh, Frank Watson. Sure. Yeah. No, it's all about traffic and conversions. And frankly, a lot of uh, a lot of clients, and I'm sure the other guys can vouch for this too. A lot of clients still get too focused on rankings, and steering them away from that and steering them more towards the traffic and conversions is, of course, you know, an ongoing uh, battle in some cases. And it'll be interesting to see in the future. As you know, speaking of not provided. I was thinking the other day about how with universal analytics coming up and the idea of tracking actual people across different devices, you maybe even on your TV screen, uh, that maybe that's one of the reasons they're trying to condition us SEOs to not focus on keywords anymore because in theory, someone's going to, we're going to be able to one way or another, hopefully by hook or by crook, be able to traffic a person by an anonymous ID number across all of these things. And that's going to be a, a brave new world of analytics for us SEOs. Uh, Frank Watson. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I actually come from a different point. It's interesting. I find that the Europeans and the Middle Eastern clients that I have are far more concentrated on conversion expense, uh, whereas in the U.S. there's still, even though they've been at it longer, there's still a bit of ego about brand. They, you know, they they'll they'll give up a little on the CPA just to see their brand better recognized, which may be a long-term play, but generally I think Americans are a little egotistical. Okay, now, um, um, Frank, you are operating out of the, out of the East Co- off the East Coast of the United States. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, I, I saw in the chat room uh, somebody was asking what part of Australia you live in. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. People, you know, because of the fact that I, you know, Branded around Aussie Webmaster, every yeah, you know, there are a lot of people that think I'm in Australia. You know, no, they they go, no, you know, no, am I calling you at the right time and all that sort of thing? But yeah, you know, I don't think it really matters where you are. You know, I just happen to be Australian, and that's why I've got it. But you know, we're marketers, we're online marketers, and the successful ones are aware of the subtle differences between countries. You know, in Germany, for example. Repetition isn't good on a, on a site because they take umbrage at that. You know, whereas Americans, you you know, you have to say something ten, twenty times to you know get it through. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things last panel, the international panel that I, I want to throw at you guys. Um, SEO firms in America and and in Canada are increasingly being asked to be all things to all adver- all digital advertisers. So we're all digital things to all ad- to uh, all clients. They want us to you know, handle their email campaigns, handle the social media, handle their um, SEO and their pay per click, and any other digital venue that we can get our hands in. They want us to be in. For the traditional SEO firms, that's caused a workflow issue. They've had to expand and bring on new talents. But we're talking about American firms working in an international market. And I'm, I'm curious, um, again, starting with Aaron, moving to uh, Dave Schneider, to Dave uh, Portney, and then over to Frank Watson. Guys, how do your agencies deal with, uh, with the social media responsibilities for foreign clients? Well, uh, you yes, how do we deal with yeah, yeah. Like functionally on the ground in your office, how do you handle um, other language or other traditions in in, in social media and, and still try to be authentic? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, it's about having definitely somebody in house that 
speaks the language and can can understand and do the research, the market research necessary to develop the buyer personas in that area, understand them as people, and market to them and give them the value that they're looking for. And uh, and as far as being all services to everybody, we've we've gone the other way <laughs> on that route. You know, we specifically focused on earned media, so therefore we had a client or a prospect that wanted to have us run their email campaigns or social media accounts and things like that. That's just something that we would turn down. Okay. Um, Dave Schneider. Yeah, so, I mean, CopyPress, uh, we're more of a software and production company, so we really don't do anything for anybody except for what we do. Um, which is create awesome content and work with publishers. So um, that does bring with it difficulties, right? Like I said, we have a lot of clients looking for us to work. Uh, Germany is a big market, for example. Um, and the way we handle it, as I've said before, is finding people there that can assist us. So the software and the marketplace we've built is built in a way where once we get, like, a production manager on the ground in the country, we can then outsource the rest of it via our marketplace. Uh, it's like a an ODES type setup that we have for ourselves. Um, and that's the way we're able to scale really quickly if we want to go into a certain market or we find another partner that can work via our software to fulfill those kind of needs. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest thing now, you know, I think I tell our guys here when I'm training them on marketing, you know, we, we need to, as marketers, start looking at um, the marketing world as being platformless, right? Platforms die quickly. Um Look at MySpace used to be big, right? <laughs> All the web used to be big, and so look at the plat- look at beyond the platform, and then figure out what what you need to accomplish. And I think with that also, marketers need to set boundaries on where they're willing to go. Like it sounds like Aaron and his company did. Okay, um, David Portney. Well, you know, someone once said that uh, people respond best when you're being authentic. So if you can fake being authentic, you've got it made, right? <laughs> but, uh, but but seriously, when it comes to social media, yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, we have our social team takes more of a consultative approach. I'm sure there's companies that'll do uh, they'll do it for you. They'll do it for companies. They'll be the voice of the brand, if you will. We, we can't take that approach. We can never speak for the brand, really. We so we take a consultative approach where we show them how to get things going. We show them how to you know how to use tools like Buffer or Hootsuite or you know on and on uh, different tools to help you with uh, analyzing where the influences are, how to reach out to them, how to have conversations. We a lot of people don't understand that social media is not a broadcast media, although a lot of people use it that way. It is about engagement, and so. What we tend to do is take each client one by one and really look at, you know, okay, well, what are you guys trying to do? And do you have, it always will come down to budget again, right? Do they have someone who can, who can spend the time on the, uh, the engagement and responding to people on Twitter or keeping the Facebook page current and that kind of thing? So on our end, it's a bit more consultative uh, in that approach, Dave. Okay, and uh, uh, Frank Watson, you have a uh, fairly significant international clientele. How do you deal with uh, your social media responsibilities outside of America? Well, first off, I want to say thank you to Facebook for having added that translation tool. Uh, it comes in extraordinarily handy when you're looking for stuff on Facebook, you know, commenting amongst people about your topic. Uh, you, know, you can use those things, but I think language understanding the language is important 
but the the other part of it is understanding the industry. So whether or not you know I speak French or Arabic or German or Italian doesn't make any difference if I don't know you know the automotive space or the financial services space. There's language within even the industries, you know, the terminology that's used, how people come to it, that sort of thing. Uh, so it is. It you've got to be creative. You you know you've got to be aware of the tools. You've got to be aware of language, and then you've got to be aware of the actual industry. You know, I, I I'm a big proponent of. I would rather have someone that knows how to talk about a topic than just someone that can write well. And, and you know, there's that intimacy involved, just like with language to speak. And we have people in industries that talk in their own jargon, and it's a hard gives it a hard for market you know people clients to come in and understand what they're saying. So, I mean, there's a lot of it beyond just the, the country and the language. There's, there's, there's a lot of that. Okay, guys, we're, we're approaching uh, 20 to the hour. We have to take a short break here on Webology. Before we go, I'd like to assure um, Aaron and all listeners who are curious that is, um, well, it persists. It, 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 my version is looking a little bit like Google+. So... As we move into break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm, I'd like to remind you, I'm Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Over there is Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. We're going to be back after these messages, and I'm going to be updating my Orchid account. Well, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. 
commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back. This is Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO with Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We've got on our lineup of guests right now Aaron Aders from Relevance.com, Dave Snyder from Copy Press. David Portney uh, from Portent.com and Frank Watson, uh, a.k.a. Aussie Webmaster. Um, now, uh, Dave Snyder, you had mentioned uh, before we went to break there, you, you were talking about you know creating great copy. That's that's the, the core of what you do, um, getting it out to publishers. That, of course, made my brain run to something that's really difficult internationally, or at least one of the things I, I find the most challenging is, we're talking about signals. We're talking about getting all the signals together. So, of course, somewhere in here, we got to talk about links. And how do you get those links coming in uh, from, from, to, to reinforce that region? Um, and that's something I think a lot of webmasters face and a lot of SEOs face is how do you get them from Denmark or how do you get them from you know, uh, the, these variety of places? Um, Dave, I'll, I'll let you lead off because you may have a, a simpler answer because of what you do. Um, but then we'll move on to get some, get some other ideas. Money. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> uh, they, so yeah, that works. So money works, but uh, we don't we don't play that game. I mean, <clears throat> at the end of the day, this, and this is what people don't understand with with outreach and why the spammers are going to be killed off pretty soon. Um, you know, with the guest posting stuff, is um, what publishers want is high-quality content on an ongoing basis that drives traffic, right? Because publishers are working on the PPM model most of the time. So if they can find regular contributors, not guest posters, that can bring, okay, you contribute for me and you can bring X amount of traffic, I know it will yield Y results for me. Um, that is something that will have longevity, not just for the publisher, but also for the advertiser and the marketer. And so really it's about relationship building. I always tell our people when I train them, um, outreach, publisher outreach is like dating. You don't just try to get laid the first night. You know what I mean? You got to like, you know, you got to date the person a little bit and then, you know, you jump in the sack. But like, you know, you create the relationship and then you mold it from there. Um, and that is, that is exactly what SEOs don't do when they go into current stage of link building. It's just, hey, I work for so-and-so. Can I give you $100 for a link, uh, for a post to go up? Um, or, hey, I want to do a guest post for you. And that, that stuff's going to be killed. It's just so easy for Google to say, hey, this writer's never written on this site before. Um, they never wrote again, and they've written on these other sites as guest authors. We're just going to devalue these. Um, any, any other, of course, I, I mean, that's, that's some great advice and, and a great point. I mean, I know. Uh, even even among all of our, you know, the people on the call right now, I'm sure we all get, what, a dozen, maybe two dozen, hey, I'd like to write for your blog uh, emails out of the blue, and they hit the, you know, trash as, as fast as they came in. Um, Aaron, what would you, how would you approach uh, this quite difficult uh, subject? Yeah, so I, I, I agree with uh, what Dave just said. I mean, it, going out and just trying to pay or, or get your article posted on, say, you know, a random blog for the purposes of just a link or you know increasing number of links is is dying out and it's really about uh being relevant and providing value and if you do the things i mean the most valuable link out there is the one that gets clicked on right and so if you if you do the research necessary to say find some online community that you that will really benefit from the content that you've created um, say for example some content resource might be a, a white paper or a video or uh, you know, something of that nature that you might hold on your site that 
that this community would find valuable or something that you come up with an idea for that community to create some content and offer that to them, then you're going to get more clickbacks to your resource. You're going to build your email lead list. You're going to get that link if, if that's really what you're after. But uh, in the end, it's going to be adding that value and, and trying to be you know, the most popular post that's ever been on that site. And if you can do all that, then you're going to create that long-term relationship and you're going to get so much more out of that placement than, than just a link. So you know, that's, that's why we've moved into the, the earned media uh, realm because that's essentially what earned media is. So I think that it's it's just evolved so much more past the link, and there's and there's so much more value to be um, taken from that. You know, I, I realized I made an assumption there, so I'm going to ask um, sort of back. I, I made an assumption in the question here: Is the location or or TLD um, of a domain linking to you um, relevant? Um, I mean, obviously, uh, there's an inherent language, so let's let's take language out of it, but go, hey, if, if we know this domain's in Germany and I'm trying to rank, you know, this portion of my website in Germany, um, is there an inherent value in having, uh, is a link from a US.com better or worse than, than you know, a similar link on a .de domain? Uh, I think you've got a target where, where you're trying to connect with the people. I don't think that... Um, I don't know, the page rank and things like that, I mean, you know, maybe it might make a difference these days, but it's, I think relevancy trumps that, and it's definitely going to trump it in trying to, you know, build visitors and email lists and uh, referral traffic from those domains. So uh, I, I think it was, it's probably much more relevant in, in search engine designs as well if you're getting the traffic and links from, from those areas that you're, you're trying to uh, match with those people that you're targeting. Um, David, Portney, what is your experience with, with trying to generate um, links, you know, your, your personal or, or, your, or your company you're with, um, as far as trying to, to establish links that, that sort of help connect that regional relevancy? Yeah, glad to share. And first, a general comment. You know, when I first got into SEO, or excuse me, before I got into SEO, I thought that links were for humans to click. Then when I got into SEO, I started thinking, oh, well, links are just for Google to count up and make you rank higher and all that good stuff. Now, with everything that's been going on, uh, we all know what's going on. I realize now that links are for humans to click. I think that, again, when we talk about signals lining up, I think that having links from, let's say you're in Germany, I think having links from inside Germany are going to make a difference. I can't, I can't tell you that I opened up Google's algorithm recently and found out exactly how to do that, but I, I, I got to bet that that's true. So if you think about it, I mean, with all the changes that are happening, to tag on to what the other guys were just saying, just really briefly here, it's almost as if PR is the new link building. Now, you know, sure, you send out press releases, maybe you do some charity events, you get people linking to you naturally, but there's also reaching out to any local entities and organizations, your vendors, associations, if there's an equivalent chamber of commerce, if, some, if there's any other citations and links you can get locally, I've got to bet are going to make a big difference. We got we got to start concentrating more on developing networks within the community. You know that's the beauty of of the conferences overseas is you get to meet people that are talking about specific topics that you then want to you know get some sort of interlinking going. I I personally use LinkedIn quite a bit. There's a lot of good LinkedIn groups that are in specific languages on specific topics. So you can, you know, you've got to reach out and you've got to find where the communities are and the communities in the language that you're trying to market into. 
Okay, uh, gentlemen, we're down to our last five minutes. This is probably the last question we're going to get in, and it's a question I asked the um, panel of international experts we had on the last hour, so I'm, I'm going to throw it at you guys. Google Plus has fundamentally changed the, uh, the way many of us are approaching SEO and approaching our clients. I'm wondering if there's a difference between the way you approach clients in the United States when it comes to Google Plus as there might be when you approach clients outside the United States uh, around Google Plus. Uh, starting with Aaron. Uh, yeah, we haven't. Um, we, we, we honestly don't get a ton of, uh, of uh, inquiries from non-U.S. based uh, prospects, so I couldn't really go down that path. I mean, the the client that we had that we were we were ranking for uh, other countries, you know, they were U.S. based companies, so. Uh, they got it, and uh, I, I, I can't really answer that question, unfortunately. No worries. Um, Dave Schneider. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I don't. There's nothing that I'm doing any different. And right now, the majority of what we're doing is just using it as a social platform, as you would any other social platform, making sure authorship is correctly uh, connected. Um, which again goes back, I mean, to what I said before that. Google's put everything in place to reward contributors and penalize um, guest uh, promotional types long term. So um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for all marketers, regardless of where you're marketing right now, is to get those concepts in mind of, you know, what, what are we being shown by Google that they want? Because um, it's not just about authorship. Like, oh, I write, I got one post on Mashable and, you know, they gave me some authorship, so I'm going to start to rank for everything on my site. I really think it's about um, which... I, I mean, if I was Google, what I would say is, okay, they write on this site, and how frequently do they write? So what, what level of authority are they? Um, David Porton. Yeah, I, have, I also have not had any direct experience about that with Google Plus and directing clients internationally on that. Um, so I don't know that I could speak to that intelligently either. But, you know, I'm th- as I'm listening and I'm thinking about the question, I'm reflecting on something Mike Arneson has spoken about recently who's all about Google Plus and, and author rank and all that. And he's seeing it, you know, that a lot of people think that Google Plus is really supposed to be, you know, a Facebook killer or a social media marketing channel. But the way he's looking at it, and, I, and more and more I think I am too, it's more of an ID verification system in a way, in a crude way of putting it. The Google can say, look, this is a real person. We can actually tag this is a real person. So whether it's U.S. or international, I think probably it's going to serve the same purpose. And uh, it looks like Google Plus is something people are going to need to be doing. Uh, Frank? Uh, actually, I find that Google Plus is being used by a lot of Europeans. I I have a lot of contacts that are in Europe, so I see a lot of their posts in various languages. So, I mean, it's it's there. I just think that, you know, because of Facebook having, you know, a billion-plus users, etc., a lot of concentration has gone there. <clears throat> but if you want to actually build your presence up in Google... I, I think you've got to be playing in the Google Plus space. You, you know, you've got to use it, even if it's just for author rank or, you know, whatever. It's, it's a place not to be ignored internationally as well as in the U.S. Okay, and I'm afraid we're going to leave it at that, gentlemen. We're uh, one minute away from uh, to go to a news break. So, Dave Portney from Portent.com, Aaron Anders, Relevance.com, Dave Schneider from CopyPress.com, and... Aussie webmaster Frank Watson from blah 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 dot com. What is it? Uh, Kangamura Media. <laughs> Frank 
Watson from Kangaroo Media. You can look that up. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today, guys. Um, friends, I want to make a quick note later on later today on the network. The Google Affiliate Network closure is being discussed today on Affiliate Buzz with um, Matt Matt Farai um, at Smarter Chaos and Carol Komet at Cantego at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. It's going to be on, again, Affiliate Buzz with host James Martell. Um, you've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, at Jim Hedger or Jim at digitalalwaysmedia.com. And Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. Dave, what's your, what, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Beanstalk SEO. Okay. <laughs> Dave at beanstalk-inc.com. You've been listening to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is Thursday, the 18th of April, 2013. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned to Webmaster Radio. we got great content coming up. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. 